0: Comcast Business is powering businesses all across the Houston area. Here's Jason Ostro, Vice President of Star Cinema Grill, on how Comcast Business is helping him succeed.
1: Star Cinema Grill was created at the very beginning where the owner of the company saw a need for people who wanted beer while watching a movie. And he took an old movie theater that had closed down, put in a bar, and the place was sold out day and night. Our theaters utilize Comcast business services for our fiber internet. Obviously, our internet source is integral to every aspect of our operation. Every facet of our business is dependent on high-speed, reliable internet. We have developed a relationship with our local Comcast account manager, and that's been very beneficial. Where in the last two years, we've opened three locations, and we have two more in the works right now. The brand continues to grow as developers see the type of facilities that we're building. For me to have a direct contact with somebody to help me work through problems when I can Get a resolution is very, very beneficial to the business.
0: How can Comcast business help you? Learn more at Comcast.com.
2: Welcome to Let's Get Healthy on Talk 1370, brought to you by People's Rx, Austin's favorite pharmacy. We're taking your calls live at 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483.
3: Welcome. Thank you for joining us. This is Amy Tyler. I'm a naturopathic doctor with People's Pharmacy and my lovely co-host today is Dr. Elena Villanueva, a chiropractor and holistic health practitioner right here in Austin. And we have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking to Dr. Barone, who is a neurologist and sleep expert who's just written a new book about sleep and we're also going to talk to Dr. Lori Steelsmith, a fellow ND from Hawaii. He'll be waking up very early in Hawaii to speak with us about her new book, Growing Younger Every Day, so all about hormones and hormone balance for women. And so um, before we launch into those topics, we did want to discuss the flu as it still seems to be peaking early this year and um, a lot of people are having some pretty severe flu symptoms, and we we wanted to discuss Tamiflu. Um, Tamiflu is often prescribed if the flu is caught within the first day or two, um, as it's been shown that it can decrease the duration of the flu by a day or so, and it can also possibly prevent flu in other family members. And so, um, but there are, there's some talk, and there's been some post-marketing information that there can be behavioral side effects from Tamiflu, especially in children. And so I've heard a few people in the past week or so um, discuss this where they saw some behavioral side effects in their kids. And I just think it's good for people to know that that's a possibility so that if they do see some of those behavioral side effects, they can piece that together. Um, Again, we don't know how common it is. I think the biggest study came out of Japan where they were seeing um, an increase in delirium and abnormal, be- abnormal behavior leading to injury in some cases, resulting in fatal outcomes. Um, and it is, they do mention this Japanese study in the Tamiflu package insert. Um, um, but most recently, there was a case, I believe last week in Indiana, where a young teenager who was sort of, sounded like the all American kid, a happy-go-lucky young man, um, he committed suicide, and his parents saw this really rapid change in his personality. And they, the only thing that they could figure out that had changed was that he was taking Tamiflu. And so, again, I think we still need more information. Um, I don't think, again, we have definitive studies or don't even know the frequency, but it's just good for parents to be aware. Um, and tell, we were just discussing this morning, Dr., Bienvenue, what are some other ways that people can help their immune system overcome the flu if they come down with it?
4: That's a good question because we've been getting a lot of questions like that from our patients as well. <clears throat> we have some of the patients who who have been taking Tamiflu um, as an option, um, but then we have another group of, of patients and, and listeners out there, I'm sure also, who either... Maybe they don't have insurance, they don't have the money to go get the Tamiflu, which is $100 plus the visit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, Or they they want an alternative. The top one that you and I were talking about this morning is vitamin D. And there have been several studies out uh, showing that it is a highly effective way to avoid influenza and to help knock it back down. Um, In fact, uh, vitamin D... Um, is shown to, uh, you know, people who are taking vitamin D and keeping their levels um, at a certain level, and we can talk about that, you know, what that level is in just a minute, are about 42% less likely to come down with the flu. That's impressive, yeah. Uh, About, um, I would say clinically in my practice, I see about 95% of my patients that are severely deficient in their vitamin D.
3: Yeah, I see that as well. And I'm curious, what is that target? A lot of, I think more and more people are aware of the importance of vitamin D and they're getting their level tested. And so what is what is the data showing we should be aiming for for flu prevention?
4: Um, the data is showing, I believe, around um, a minimum of 40 uh, for blood serum level. In the, in the holistic world, though, we'd like to see it between 60 and 100. Mm -hmm. right and I always tell patients especially ones that are um, struggling with immune issues or significant autoimmune issues so their immune system is already um, below where it needs to be to begin with that I like to keep them around 80 even up to 100 in some cases it's and you know that's going to help them significantly and what uh what I think would be good for us to share with the the listeners this morning also is that um, adults need a minimum of 8,000 IUs of vitamin D a day to achieve blood serum levels above 40. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is that most people are are already deficient and they need more than 10,000 to bring the levels up just to get the levels up. Um, And if we look at the different genetic factors, we can see that there are, Um, a good percentage of the population out there that have a certain mutation in their gene that is responsible for synthesizing vitamin D, they have mutations in that gene. And so then they need additional help to get that vitamin D levels up, like adding... like like adding K to the D. right? But, but so, yeah, the vitamin D is a great alternative for people mm-hmm. who are wanting to find something other than the Tamiflu.
3: Okay. And I I would add, it is, since it is a fat-soluble vitamin, it's best if you're going to be using a higher dose to be working with someone and having them monitor it.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because
3: I have seen a few people who have overshot since it's fat-soluble, it can accumulate, where they, the risk of getting vitamin D levels that are too high is that you can end up with too much calcium in your bloodstream. And so, um, so anyway, I think it's good to work with a practitioner to monitor that, but it's great to know that there's something so simple and take into account what we're getting from the sun as well. Some people are spending more time outdoors than others and they can, they may need less in those cases. Absolutely. And so it looks like we have Dr. Daniel Barone on the line.
1: Hi, guys.
3: How are you? Hi. Thank you for joining us. And Good so, Oh, my
1: pleasure. So you're with
3: the um, Cornell Weil Sleep Center, a neurologist mm-hmm. at New York Presbyterian. Okay, great. Well, um, we're excited to hear about your book. It's Let's Talk About Sleep.
1: That's correct. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited to, uh, to share about it. Um, it's a book re- really written just for lay people to just pick up and learn about sleep and sleep disorders and if they or a loved one have any sleep issues they can learn a lot about it and what to do and what to ask about uh, from the book.
3: Okay great. Um, I, I have a question for you. Sure. I hear a lot of talk. I think there's still a lot of unknowns but I'm curious to get your opinion on the possible impacts of more electromagnetic radiation and um and sleep issues like people often ask me is it okay for me to have my cell phone right next to my bed while i'm sleeping with the wi-fi on and all that what is your i'm just curious i know we don't have a lot of research yet there's some some studies showing people that live closer to the cell phone towers have more insomnia and depression and those sorts of symptoms so what is your take on all that yeah i think uh
1: i think that's definitely something which is going to Come true uh, as more research is done, but even more problematic than that, something that we can, is more a little bit more tangible is you know I live in New York City and a lot of my patients will complain about light from the from the street or mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, signs and whatnot and that when it creeps through the windows can also keep people awake. So yeah, that's the fact that we're all on our cell phones 24 hours a day and a complete access to email and contact uh non all these things uh contribute to poor sleep in the song
3: right so do you rec- you're recommending people kind of black out their rooms as much as possible to make them kind of absolutely cave-like and that includes absolutely. even electronics i think sometimes people don't consider that they have like an alarm clock that has a super bright you know display or something like that
1: right right So there was, there's actually been a lot of research into this. Um, One study in particular, uh, this this, um, researcher took a bunch of his research assistants out into the wilderness for a period of about two weeks or so. Mm -hmm. And what they found was these people were able, you know, these are people who lived in modern society using electronics and cell phones and whatnot. And when they took them out to the wilderness, they were out there for a period of two weeks and all they had... No, they didn't have any electronics. It was just the sun. When the sun when the sun rise, they wake up. When the sun set, they went to bed. And they found that their sleep latency, so how long it took them to fall asleep, diminished dramatically. And their refreshment, how they felt throughout the day, was much better. And they had just much more um, uh, mood was better, and levels of energy were better. So it's pretty pretty convincing that you know really we're meant to be more. Uh, to go along more with nature, what nature wants. And they, they call social jet lag. So this exposure to all the things we just talked about kind of delays our bedtime and makes it harder to fall asleep.
3: Right. So what is your recommendation for, like when do you think people should stop interacting with screens yeah. before they go to bed? Do you have like a right time lag that you think so, they should <laughs> not see it before an hour or two hours before bed?
1: Right. So that's a great question. I usually tell patients 30 to 60 minutes at least. Uh, before bedtime, no electronic devices. I say no no backlit screen. So, if somebody wants to read on like a, um, a Kindle device or a Nook device or one of those where you have to actually have an external light source, uh, that's okay. But anything with a backlit display, you really try to avoid. And that's because of the blue light that comes from these sources. So, cell phones, tablets, iPads, iPhones, you know, uh, I, I, I really recommend reading on paper or Kindle or uh, listening to soft music or, a, or a, uh, a podcast or a radio show or some sort of talk radio. Or my favorite is uh, mindfulness meditation. I'm a big believer in that.
3: Okay, great. And how do you feel about, I know some of them, again, are using technology. There's some apps that are geared towards, mm-hmm. you know, help guided meditation.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, I think that, I think that's great. I think anything that's going to promote that kind of natural uh more holistic sense of this is what my body wants to get to sleep. I think is, I think it is great. Again, as long as it is not staring at a screen.
3: Right. Okay. And, um, and then so your book touches on some of the major sleep disorders, like sleep apnea, right. which most people have heard mm-hmm. of. Um, I was surprised to encounter people. And I don't know if you've seen this in your practice. Um, a lot of times people have this opinion that, or this sort of preconception that you can only have sleep apnea if you're overweight. And so, um, Do you run across a lot of people who are not overweight who still struggle with sleep apnea just due to anatomical issues or muscular issues keeping the airway open?
1: That's a great point. Uh, I see that a lot, actually. Um, That that misconception hopefully will be, uh, I address that in the book, and hopefully will be um, reduced in the future. As you said, a lot of it has to do with genetics. A lot of it has to do with kind of the way the airway looks inside. You know, really the the main area that we focus on when we talk about sleep apnea is the area behind the tongue, the so-called retrolingual airspace, uh, which you really can't see uh, readily. And when that's tight, i.e. the tongue is a little bit too big or it's a little bit too uh, wide uh, or or the soft palate is a little bit too low, all these things make the airway a little bit smaller at baseline. And when somebody falls asleep, whether they're overweight or skinny or whatever, that airway now is more prone to collapse or more, more prone to complete closure, and that's what leads to sleep apnea. Um, there's also, you know, being a man is a higher risk again because of just the soft tissue is more more pronounced in men. Mm-hmm. Uh, postmenopausally, women actually have a higher risk of it. So there's other factors besides just weight, mm-hmm. um, which which would you know hopefully will dispel in the future.
3: Okay. How do you think the home sleep tests compare to the, like someone going into a sleep center and doing, for right. a sleep apnea, I don't know that they can diagnose other sleep issues, but I've seen these yeah. things that people can have a kit sent and for three nights it monitors for sleep apnea. Right. What do you think right. about the efficacy of this? Yeah,
1: that, that's a great point. For, for garden variety sleep apnea, repetitive stoppages of breathing throughout the night, a home test usually is okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for anything more complicated than that, So there's other forms of sleep apnea, which we get into in the book. One of them called central sleep apnea. Uh, Anything related to narcolepsy or other causes of insomnia, restless leg syndrome, anything like that, the home test is not going to help us with.
3: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. But for garden variety of obstructive sleep apnea, it's usually okay.
4: Okay. I just had a question. I have had um, some patients over in my clinic, and I'm curious what uh, you guys have to say about this. Mm-hmm. who are using their iPhone apps to monitor their sleep as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right. What do you know about that and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Right. So so a lot of these, so there's a couple of different things. There's actual wearable technology, which are like the Fitbit mm-hmm. and whatever else. And those basically work by, uh, they're, they're a, a, an accelerometer, which is basically a fancy way of saying they detect movement. So the, the assumption is when someone's not moving, they're in deeper sleep. When they're moving a little bit, they're in lighter sleep, and then when they're not moving, when they weren't fully moving, they're awake. And that's kind of the algorithm that they use. As far as the apps go, uh, usually what's, what's happening is the people will put it on, put the phone on the bed or under the pillow, and that's detecting, I believe, either vibration or sounds to look for snoring, uh, again, movements. There, there, there's some sort of proprietary movement uh, tracker that's available. And then again, they feed that into an algorithm. So it's, ba- it's basically motion detector, which is then kind of uh, that information is then is kind of uh, extrapolated to, to uh, determine sleep stages.
3: Do you think it's accurate? Because it, from what I've seen, everyone that's ever shown me their, especially their Fitbit readings, right. it looks like everyone has horrible sleep So I'm just I yeah. wondered if it was over right, right. sort of over Yeah, that's a great
1: great point <laughs> what, what I usually tell patients is I would say almost nine out of ten people come to me with with, with data from their from their wearable technology and I tell them I, it's great that you're paying attention to this stuff and, and insofar that people are more uh, in tune with their sleep I think is great but in actuality and, and kind of the information that's garnered from these I, I don't really take too seriously.
3: Yeah, that's that was the impression I was yeah. getting because I, I think right. every single person that showed it to me it looked like it was you know right. hard to know how they were still standing. <laughs> right. Okay, right. so um, yeah. one other question: this, mm-hmm. you know, the CPAP has been the mainstay for treating sleep apnea. Right. I've heard of some other things like this dental device that can help mm-hmm. keep the airway open. What what are your thoughts on some of the alternatives? Are they as right. good? Right.
1: So, or? yeah. Um, it really depends on the severity. So, so we usually use the oral devices or the dental devices, otherwise known as mandibular advancement devices. Mm-hmm. And what these are, these are made by a dentist, uh, high-quality ones are made by dentists. And what's happened is they're, they're uh, fitted to the upper and lower teeth. And when you put them in at nighttime, it takes the lower jaw forward a couple millimeters. Uh, and what that does, it takes the tongue away. Remember, that's the big issue here. It takes the tongue away from the back of the throat. For usually mild to moderate cases, again, diagnosed with a sleep test, those usually are okay, Uh, and they're a good alternative. I've seen a handful of times where someone had pretty severe sleep apnea, in which case really the best treatment we have still is CPAP. I had a couple cases where uh, patients of mine chose to get an oral device, and it actually worked perfectly, it completely eliminated their sleep apnea. Okay. It is possible for them to be um, used in, in all forms of sleep obstructive of sleep apnea, but we tend to reserve it for more than mild to moderate cases.
3: Okay, great.
4: Um, I've I've got a question about these um, these um, dental applications that you can do to help. Is there any correlation between clenching at night, like teeth grinding, the clenching and sleep mm-hmm. apnea?
1: Yes, that, that, that's a great question. Um, so, teeth grinding we don't really know where it comes from. There's a couple different theories, one of them being stress, right? So if somebody has a lot of stress or a lot of tension throughout the night, they may grind their teeth as a kind of response to that. But in more in the, the, the sleep, sleep uh, clinic world, what we tend to see is people with sleep apnea, they oftentimes will grind their teeth. The reason being is we think is they're, they're trying to move their lower jaw throughout the night, you know, on a subconscious level, they're moving their lower jaw throughout the night to try to open up that airspace. And as a result this is a kind of a haphazard motion as a result the teeth end up mashing it mashing against each other which produces grinding okay yeah and treating the sleep apnea oftentimes makes that go away
4: that's what i was thinking
3: yeah yeah right. great right and so for anyone who just tuned in we're talking to dr daniel barone neurologist and sleep expert whose new book let's talk about sleep and a guide to mm-hmm. understanding and improving your sleep and so Um, So the book, it looks like it's structured in terms of these different sleep disorders that people might be experiencing. So sleep apnea, restless legs. Um, Talk to us about parasomnias.
1: Sure. So parasomnias are kind of, uh, I think when people talk about them, there's almost a uh, uh, joking connotation behind it, you know, sleepwalking or sleep talking or various other things, uh, exploding head syndrome. Uh, These can be pretty disturbing for a patient who's suffering with them or a bed partner. So we tend to take them seriously. And one of the kind of mainstays behind it is you always want to look for something else. Is there something, is there another cause for why the person is having this? So, you know, we keep harping harping back to sleep apnea, but somebody with obstructive sleep apnea, they can sometimes have these other complaints, these kind of bizarre movements or, or experiences throughout the night. And treating that sometimes makes them improve or, or uh, makes them go away.
4: Okay, great. Did you say exploding mm-hmm. head syndrome, and what is that?
1: Ex- exploding head syndrome. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's one of those tar songs that sounds made up, but what it is is basically as people are drifting off into sleep, they'll have this experience of a, a – it sounds like a bomb going off in their head,
0: oh. um,
1: which causes them to wake up and be, oh, as you gosh. can imagine, extremely, extremely nervous and, wow. and, and panicky. Uh, it's completely benign okay nothing is is breaking in their head Uh, but we tend to think it's more in the in the folks who have maybe underlying anxiety or panic issues or stress Uh, oftentimes that can not often but rarely that can result usually what we do in those cases is just reassurance usually makes it uh, go away
3: okay Okay, wow, that sounds like a tough one. And yeah. so, um, <laughs> right. so right. I want to make sure people know we have a, another minute or two left. Um, where, sure. where to find your book? Um, so Absolutely. Dr. Daniel Barone, let's talk about sleep. I'm assuming Amazon?
1: Yes, Amazon, it's, it's there. You can get it from Roman and Littlefield, their, their, uh, their website. Uh, you can call up their phone number. I don't have it on me right now, but uh, you guys can maybe give that out. Uh, And I believe it's going to be in libraries and bookstores. I don't know exactly which ones yet, um, but probably the best best place to find it is Amazon. And there's a a Kindle version there as well.
3: Okay, great. And um, can you leave us with maybe one or two more, like sleep sleep hygiene is what we talk about when we're trying to help people understand what are the healthy practices that they can do every day around sleep. What are two of your other favorites? sure about- so i'd say
1: probably yeah probably the biggest thing i would say is consistency mm-hmm. so a lot of times people will become sleep deprived during the week you know they say okay i'm just going to sleep six hours or so and the average person is between seven to nine so they will get six hours during the week and then try to make up for it on the weekends you know sleep in on saturday sleeping on sunday and that can really throw off their, their sleep schedule their kind of internal rhythm uh so that's one thing and the second thing is uh napping napping mm-hmm. is a big issue and if you absolutely have to nap you try to you want to make it earlier in the day as possible and as short as possible so the person who comes home from a hard day at work and they fall asleep on the couch watching tv for a half an hour 40 minutes they're really gonna be screwing up screwing up their sleep schedule so right those are probably the two biggest things that i that i see
3: okay well this has been so great we'd love to have you back on sometime, and we appreciate you taking your time this morning to talk to us this is such an important topic and yeah. um We're out of time for now, but we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much.
1: Thank thank you guys. All right, thanks. Dr. Daniel Barone,
3: let's talk about sleep. And we'll be right back after a brief brief break.
2: Thanks. More cutting-edge health information is just around the corner. You're listening to Let's Get Healthy with People's Rx on Talk 1370. We'll be right back.
0: Thanks for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370.
2: You're listening to Let's Get Healthy with People's Rx, Austin's favorite pharmacy on Talk 1370. Got a health question? Call us now at 512-643-LIVE. All right, thank you for joining us. This is Amy
3: Tyler, naturopathic doctor at People's Pharmacy and Dr. Elena Villanueva, chiropractor. And we have joining us now Dr. Lori Steelsmith, a fellow ND who was kind enough to wake up really early in Hawaii, where she's joining us from, um, to discuss her new book, Growing Younger Every Day, The Three Essential Steps for Creating Youthful Hormone Balance at Any Age. Are you there, Lori? Dr. Steelsmith? Okay. All right, so um, Dr. Steelsmith has been featured on CNN and USA Today, and she's written several books. She's had best-selling books, um, a lot of books about women's health, Natural Choices for Women's Health, I believe was her first book. And so she's a wealth of information, and um, her most recent book, she's going to talk to us about understanding our hormones, what are they. Hormone balance can sound overwhelming when we start to talk about it, what are the hormones, what are the, the symptoms alone can be overwhelming for women. So um, true. So, okay. All right. Are you with us, Dr. Smith? I am. Great. We're so happy you're joining us. We hope that you've had a chance to have some tea or coffee and wake up a little. We know it's really <laughs> early there in Hawaii. Well, it's, it's cooling off. And I'm a fellow ND. Where did you go to school? Was it? last year. Okay. Graduated in
0: mm-hmm. 93. Yeah. All right.
3: Great. I'm a Bastyr grad as well. Oh, good. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2007. Oh, you're just a kid. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you with us. So, um, their new book, and it's Growing Younger Every Day, Three Essential Steps for Creating Youthful Hormone Balance at Any Age. Tell yes. us, Yeah, so tell us about your book. Is it already available?
0: Well, it is, and... Um it's a small book, but it's a succinct book. So it helps women just get exactly what they need to know about their hormones and you know hormones are a huge issue you know hormones can lead to obesity hormones can lead to mood changes Mm -hmm. hormones can lead to breakups and marriages (laughs) you know if we're not having healthy hormones so um the book was really written to give women just a primer on hormones and what they can do to you know create hormonal harmony rather than be living in hormonal havoc
3: Okay, that's great. So it sounds like it touches on all different stages, like whether a woman is going through like PMS phase of just cycling women versus perimenopause and menopause. So you kind of talk about all these different
0: it does. Um, I would love for it to dive more into menopause and post-menopause, which is more the phase that I'm at. But um, it definitely gives women, you know, a lot of help and what to do during that transitionary time, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's when there's, um, you know, a lot of chaos going on yes. because you're kind of on a on a bucking horse. <laughs> nice, <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> you don't know if your estrogen's high one day and low one next day. I mean, I, I will tell you for myself, I was. Um, uh, fifty three and um just about to turn fifty four. This was in September and I tested my estradiol levels okay so I, had, I, had a, I hadn't had a period in like 8 months had a period and then tested my estrogen level basically just estradiol and yeah. it was 900 mm, oh, I wow. mean that is out of sight high mm. and then I retested it just 6 weeks later and it was less than 20 oh, my so goodness. that gives you an example and then I never had a period again like Ugh. that was like my Hovary's last hurrah wow,
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. but that, and that change and a lot of times it's the sh- shift in hormone levels that can produce some really difficult symptoms. So, Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. And I will
0: tell you, ladies listening, menopause is great once you're there and you're just like even, Steven. Yeah. Wonderful.
3: <laughs> right. And I think what's surprising to a lot of women is those changes start earlier than they might anticipate. And I see a lot of times, especially in women who've had children, that they'll start having perimenopausal symptoms in their late 30s, early 40s, and that can oh, go for on sure. for quite some time. Oh, definitely
4: yeah and definitely and I have found um, that as women start going through the transition into perimenopause and then into menopause that sometimes it's just necessary to do more frequent than less frequent hormone testing because like you said the hormones are changing constantly and and if you're doing any type of support there Um, it's you know the support that you give after the first hormone test that you do may not be the support that you need to give them four months later or six months later what are your thoughts on that
0: oh you are spot-on I mean that is so true It's, it's a constant monitoring but I do think that you know here we are naturopathic doctors like if we create a really good strong foundation of health that the highs and the lows are less dramatic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see this in Chinese medicine, right? Because in Chinese medicine, we need to build that, that foundational chi or life force. And the same thing is true in, in sort of a, a natural medicine perspective, that if our vital force is strong, if our um, adrenal glands are, are strong and can kind of handle the career change that the ovaries are going through, <laughs> right? Because really the ovaries are like, you know, saying bye-bye I've done this. I've been here. I've been doing this for 35 years, and I really just want a break. And, um, you know, they're going into retirement, and it's the adrenals I have to pick up or the ovaries left off. So if a woman is well-nourished and isn't insulin resistant and isn't going through, um, you know, a, a lot of stress in her life, or she's, she is going through stress but she's managing that stress, that she has a much easier time. And so you know, a lot of our um, botanical medicines and our nutritional medicines, as well as just that basic foundation of health, which consists of diet, exercise, detox, and the mind and body. You know, if we can just you know really shore up that foundation of health, then I really think they ride the waves much easier.
4: That makes sense. Yeah. And then you know, talk to us more about about uh, diet because you know foods play such a huge role uh, in what you're putting into your body I spend a lot of time talking with my patients about eating organic so that they can avoid the endocrine disruptors that they're otherwise getting into their foods talk to us more about that
0: Mm -hmm. well I agree completely because you know when you are ingesting a lot of chemicals that monkey with your hormones you are not going to be feeling well and in addition to that you know, if you consider that 50% of the U.S. population is insulin resistant, I mean, wh- wow. what does that really mean? Well, insulin resistance leads to hormonal craziness. I mean, it leads to imbalanced ovulation. I mean, we'll just put it that way. Right. And imbalanced ovulation isn't just women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is, you know, a classic kind of end result of insulin re- resistance, but it's actually creating high cholesterol. It's creating inflammation. It's monkeying with cortisol, right? It's causing women to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And I think for women, Really, all women, we need to be on low carbohydrate diets Mm -hmm. and we need to get off the sugar roller coaster because when we're on that roller coaster, we're having surges of cortisol. And cortisol is a hormone that's as important as estrogen, actually, and it's as important as progesterone because when we have really high levels of cortisol, we are going to be suppressing our immune system in a way that's not healthy. And we're going to be creating more body weight, which is then going to upregulate other hormones that keep the body weight on the body. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be creating increased risk of cardiovascular disease. And it's going to be creating more systemic inflammation that can lead to autoimmune disease that can lead to, you know, the, the whole myriad of things that we see patients appear, you know, appear in our office with, you know, from migraines to arthritis. So, you know, I've I am a really big advocate of a sort of slash keto paleo type diet where I take my patients off of grains off of sugars, including, because a paleo diet, they're still using honey and they're using maple syrup. And honestly, to really get hormones um, in, in a healthy, happy place and have women ovulating well, we need to have good quality fats. We need to not have a lot of sugar. And then if you start to think about it, all that sugar that, that people eat, even, even on a paleo diet, because you can easily go into the direction of having... Um, you know, loss of maple syrup and agave syrup and, oh, these things are natural, so they're okay for me, but still they're getting insulin surges, which are going to lead to inflammation, and still that sugar is going to be feeding an imbalanced microbiome, and that is that huge city that's of bacteria that's living in your gut, and the gut is really the cornerstone of your immune system. So, to me, like really to shift uh, one of our foundations of health which was the diet to shift that i really think our patients need to go on a on a diet that supports insulin sensitivity
4: exactly and then and then also you know as they're going into into more of a keto you know paleo type lifestyle to support to help support the phase of life that they're going through you know, just to uh, to really stress to them that you know when they are eating the animal proteins, to make sure that they're clean animal proteins, that they're mm-hmm. organic, that they're not being, you know, th- because otherwise mm-hmm. they're just pumped with estrogens, and oh, so then it's just totally counter counterproductive yeah. to what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just gave a talk the other night because I've been doing the ketogenic diet for the last two months, and I gave a talk to 100 people on a ketogenic diet, and I said, now listen, guys, <laughs> we are, I am not advocating eating chicken fat and beef fat and lamb fat and butter because when you think about where are all those environmental toxins stored – they're stored in the animal fat, right? They're, the fat-soluble exactly. toxins are stored in animal fat. So basically, you're just getting yourself you know, a, a really big hit of environmental toxins when you're eating that kind of fat. And what's, what's great is I came across a study on a Spanish ketogenic diet. And um, basically, this diet is using a lot of olive oil. And what I figured out is that Without even realizing it over the last two months, I have been doing coconut oil, olive oil, and avocado oils have an, you know an almond flour, and i 've been you know just eating a lot of nuts and seeds and those have been my oil ba- my oil base you know my seventy percent seventy to seventy five percent calories coming from these kinds of oils and um, I, have, I did not go into the direction of the the chicken fat mm-hmm. and the beef fat i mean some of these Ketogenic dieter books or ketogenic diet experts, you know, they're advocating using lard, and Mm -hmm. that is just wrong for so many reasons.
3: Yeah. Um, So, I just for our listeners, because you touched on a few hormones, you mentioned progesterone and cortisol. And in your book, you describe, you kind of give these personalities, the six hormones for pitch-perfect harmony. Can you go through those so that our listeners have a better idea of what some of these players are in the hormone?
0: Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And there's a chart that I created in the book that I love. I wish I'd had this when I was a young doctor because... I created a chart that just did symptoms of deficiency and symptoms of excess just to like, so people can kind of gauge like where they're at. But basically our players are estrogen, which is our, um, our feminine hormone. And we have, let's see here. Just let me just get my definitions. Yep. Your feminine hormone. I've got progesterone, which is your age defying hormone. Testosterone is your creative hormone. The HEA is your well-being hormone. Cortisol is your energizing hormone, and thyroid is your dynamic hormone. So, um, you know, looking at these, you know, estrogen is so much our friend, and then it can be our foe if we have too much of the wrong kind. And, um, you know, there are wonderful tests that women can have done to look at what what they're doing with their estrogen um, and if their estrogen converting down into friendly estrogens or if they're converting into unfriendly estrogens, whether they're putting their estrogen through a biochemical process called methylation and in the end result is that that estrogen is being um, broken down and actually turned into a favorable form of estrogen so that's really valuable Mm -hmm. for women to know in terms of prevention of ovarian breast cancer and really any any kind of issue because methylation is so important for um, detoxification and the production of neurotransmitters etc progesterone is our age-defying hormone and that's because it's calming it's grounding it helps you sleep better at night Um, you know, just the right amount of progesterone can really ease PMS symptoms. Um, you know, as naturopathic doctors, we know about Chase Treeberry. Mm -hmm. Um, I have really had fantastic results using it in my kind of early thirties, late thirties, early forties patients, you know, to help boost their own progesterone levels, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of estrogenic or phytoestrogenic herbs that can support estrogen, but then we also have phytoprogesterone herbs. Um, And supporting women who are having more PMS along with liver support can really help them with, you know, just a lot of the craziness that can happen as they're um, going through their PMS or going through their cycles. Um, Testosterone is our creative hormone. and I've got a little story to tell about this. Um, a, A patient of mine was put on a little tiny bit of testosterone. And, you know, as naturopathic doctors, we just use minute amounts. And um, <laughs> she was down in New Zealand and, you know, she's in her early 60s at this time. And she said that within a, like maybe a few days of taking it, there was this full moon. And she found herself drawn to go outside and walk around outside. And she had this huge property down there that she was renting in her nightgown in the summertime. And she said she just felt more alive. She felt the moonlight. She felt the grass under her feet. She just felt like she was alive in a way that she hadn't felt in years. And more creative. And just every part of her body was filled with chi. Wow. (laughs) And, And, you know, she was like, I know. It's the testosterone. And when she told me the story, it reminded me of, we you know, when we were teenagers, you know, and we would sneak out at night. I don't know <laughs> if you guys did, this, but my generation did. <laughs> you know, we would sneak out at night. And I remember just walking. Just This was just something I just did. I would get up in the middle of the night, you know, wake up go outside in the moonlight i'd walk up and down the street and it was like you know you're a teenager and you're just experiencing these hormones for the first time and the aliveness and the the energy of these hormones and it was just it just was so amazing to hear this from this woman who who really hadn't felt those feelings in decades you know wow and, that's a great
4: story that is a great yeah. story
0: and and you know she's an artist too and then she said how her artwork was just flowing through her and you know there's really something to be said about a little bit of testosterone and you know for women who don't want to take testosterone who can't take testosterone for some reason you know because of acne or or hair growth or they have a history of polycystic ovarian syndrome you know there's another way to kind of go about it and um, it can be done safely you just have to do it under the tutelage of a naturopathic Mm -hmm. doctor but you can use DHEA and you know DHEA is a a hormone that can help us um, can actually convert to testosterone quite easily um, it's also our well-being hormone because it, if there's receptors in the brain that have to do with DHEA that can just kind of make us feel a little bit more well mm-hmm. um, I remember Alan Gaby saying this like 20 years ago at a conference He was like you know I've been taking this DHEA and I just feel more well
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah a lot of, like energy and even anxiety respond to that um, uh, well, I wish we had more time. We Unfortunately, we have to take a break, but would you be willing to wake up early again someday to talk to us tomorrow because we love what you have to <laughs> we say? We would love
4: to have you back on the show. Oh, this sure. is great That'd information, and I need a copy of this
3: book. Yes, I know. So tell us how we can get it. So we're talking to Dr. Lori Steele-Smith about her new book, Growing Younger Every Day, Three Essential Steps for Creating Youthful Hormone Balance at Any Age.
0: And um, oh, So it's on Amazon, so it can be purchased on Amazon. Um, you can get it through my office. Um, we're, you know, we're still working on how we're going to market it at this point. Um, but it is on Amazon.com.
3: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we hope you'll join us again. And thanks again for waking up at the crack of dawn or before dawn to talk to us. We appreciate it.
0: It was fun. Thank you so much. Thank too. you. Bye. Bye.
2: Don't go anywhere. More of Let's Get Healthy with Pupils Rx is coming up after these messages.
0: on the latest headlines anytime at Talk1370.com.
2: Carry on my wayward
1: son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest.
2: Don't you cry no more. You're listening to Let's Get Healthy with People's Rx, Austin's favorite pharmacy on talk 1370 Got a health question? Call us now at 512-643-LIVE.
3: Thank you for joining us. This is Amy Tyler with People's Pharmacy and Dr. Lena Villanueva. It's been a great show. We've talked to Dr. Daniel Barone, author of Let's Talk About Sleep, A Guide to Understanding and Improving Your Slumber. And we just spoke with Dr. Lori Steelsmith, um, another naturopathic doctor, author of Growing Younger Every Day, Three Essential Steps for Creating Youthful Hormone Balance. Both books are available at Amazon. If you missed any of our segments, you can always go to peoplesorx.com and look for our radio archives and listen. We had some great interviews. And so we do have some great events coming up at, People's, at the People's Wellness Center North on Monday, this coming Monday, February 5th at 7 p.m. We have Habits for Happiness, a talk by Brenda Young. And Wednesday the 7th, we have gluten free, dairy free, easily with um, nurse, registered nurse Barbara Gaston at 6 p.m. And again, if you miss any details on these events, you can always just go to the peoplesrx.com website and we have an events calendar. And um, this weekend is the Texas Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association Conference in Georgetown. It's actually been going on um, since February 1st, and today, I believe, is the last day. But Tafca is an excellent community resource, and um, especially for farmers and gardeners. But it's, they also have a, some great talks that are available for anyone who's interested in attending. So, um, again, Tafka T-O-F-G-A, if you're interested in looking that up. And um, we have another great event coming up with our own Dr. Elena Villanueva, who's with us right now. And so it's February 8th at 7 p.m. This is at the People's South Lamar location, the conference room. And you're giving a talk on anxiety and depression, the gut-brain connection. Can you tell us a little bit about it in the time we have left?
4: Yes, this is going to be um, part two of a five-part series that we're working on that is uh, tying one of many different common ailments that people have back to gut. Uh, We also talk about some of the genetic influences and how we work uh, with anxiety and depression on a genetic level, as well as the gut level. This is my favorite talk to do. Um, and we usually have standing room only whenever we do this one. Last time we we d- had standing room only on this particular talk. And uh, this is relevant to over 80% of the population who are suffering with anxiety and depression, who either didn't respond well to their medications, or they don't want to take their medications, um, or they haven't even tried them and they, and they really want to try uh, something different, you know, looking at it from a different perspective. So, Come on if you want to hear about this. I'll have some case studies to show also the approach that I use, all of the different lab testing that I use, because everything that I do is is all, numeric, all numerical-based. And it uh, starts
3: at 7 p.m., People's Pharmacy, South Lamar. Okay, and do people, if they're interested, should they sign up in any way ahead of time, or can they just show up the night of the event? You know what? We...
4: We have a lot of people that will RSVP, which kind of just gives us an idea of how many of you are going to be coming, but we have a lot of people that just stop on by. So you know what? Our doors are open. Just come on in if you want to come, if you're near the area or you have an interest for
3: yourself or somebody that you know. Okay, great. And that's this coming Thursday, the 8th, February 8th, 7 p.m. at the South Lamar location. Okay, it sounds great. And you said it's part of a a five-part series. Is it one per week or one per month? How is it? We do one per month. It's always the second Thursday of the month Okay. at 7 p.m. at
4: the South Lamar location.
3: Okay, great. And we just have another minute or so left. Can you tell us a little bit more about your practice and if people are interested in where they can learn more if they're wanting to look you up, the name of your clinic and all that?
4: Yeah, so our clinic is located in the Westlake Medical Center. In the Westlake Medical Center at 5656 B Cave Road, um, our clinic is Modern Holistic Health. We are a holistic clinic based on the principles of functional medicine. So everything that we do is uh, just n- very natural. We don't use any pharmaceuticals. I don't really do a whole lot of structural work mm-hmm. um, any anymore. This is, uh, you know, the, the holistic work is just the foundation of, of what I do and uh, yeah. That's that. That's where we're located. We're actually looking for space, so we're very excited. We'll be expanding, and we expect to be um, in a new space uh, probably by the end of the first
3: quarter. So uh, just stay on the lookout for that. Okay, great. And is your website modernholistichealth.com? dot com? Yes, okay, modernholistichealth.com. dot com. Okay, wonderful. Well, this has been a great show, and um, and again, we started off talking about the flu and Tammy flu. So just um, wanting people to be aware that. In children especially, there is the possibility of behavioral side effects just to have their eyes out and open if that's going on, especially with an older child who may not be under as constant supervision as a younger child. Yeah, and just
4: just give them that extra supervision mm-hmm. and uh, keep them off of the sugars because that's a breeding ground for viral and bacterial patterns and uh, make sure that the kiddos are getting plenty of rest and water.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great show and Peoples will be back next Saturday. Everyone have a great weekend and... Thanks for joining us, Dr. Bionueva. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.
2: Love's her mama, loves Jesus, in America
3: too. She's a good girl, It's crazy about Elvis, loves worse and her boyfriend too.
2: Long day. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Healthy with People's Rx on Talk 1370. Tune in again next Saturday at 9 for another hour of cutting-edge health and wellness information from People's Rx, Austin's favorite pharmacy.